What is your favorite piece of spaceflight trivia which the general public does not know about? That is the question that Emily and I both answer in this week's podcast. And please let us know your favorites too via our social media channels at Space and Things One on Twitter and at Space and Things Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or on the contact form on our website. Yeah, please do that. But right now, we hope that you enjoy the latest episode of the Space and Things Podcast. Listening to Space and Things with Dave Giles and Emily Carney. I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles, and welcome to this week's episode. This is an episode which we recorded some time ago, just in case something happened which meant we couldn't get an episode recorded that week, or one of us is on holiday. Regular listeners should know the drill by now, but if this happens to be the first episode you listen to... There is just one thing missing from our normal schedule, which is an up-to-date rundown of the latest spaceflight news stories. But fear not, they'll be back next week when we have twice as many to cover. Yeah, but right now, let's crack on. And from every window, we have a really spectacular view of the Earth, and as well as the, uh, what surprised me, the real, real blackness of space. I don't think I've ever seen black as it is out here. So, Emily, I texted you earlier this morning to ask which piece of spaceflight trivia you like that most people in the general public have no idea about. So, what's your answer? My answer, and it's kind of appropriate given you guys can't see this if you're just listening, but I'm wearing a, a T-shirt about it today. The United States was crazy enough that the first space shuttle flight oh, yeah. was a human test mission like they never flew a shuttle before then they just slapped two people on it and said okay we're gonna test it it's so crazy isn't it the more you think about it the more crazy it is especially with how timid they are these days about how they launch space vehicles how many tests they have to go through before they even think about putting a crew in it yeah i love the space shuttle i I read a lot about it but uh, i do admit, you know, there were some issues with the space shuttle, of course, which unfortunately resulted in a loss of two crews. And the more I think about the first shuttle mission, I'm like, you couldn't have, I, I, I wouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't remember this, but I remember, you know, when I was a kid seeing the movie Hail Columbia and they open up the cargo bay doors for the first time and all these tiles are missing. I'm like, oh my God, that would have become a Celestis Memorial space flight. I would have died right there. I would have been like, okay, I'm done. This is it. I'm going to die. It blows my mind because at least with like Apollo 8, they flew a couple of like Saturn V's before then. Yeah. I mean, they didn't go 100% perfect, but at least they sort of had two of them. They had two of them under their belt so they could say, okay, we can put people on this. With the shuttle, they had... No friggin' clue, really. I mean, they had computer models. But that's from the 70s. Correct! Yeah, that just blows my mind that they actually did that. You know, whereas if you look at the Soviets, they had Baran. Well, I <laughs> was going to... the clock. <laughs> well, it's funny because I was going to say that the Baran uh, is probably one of those things that, that could be the, an answer for this question, isn't it? That, that the Soviets did have their own space shuttle, which was basically the same thing. But it only flew uncrewed because <laughs> they, they weren't stupid enough to launch it with, with the crew yeah. on before testing it. Yeah, they could fly it autonomously, and they actually did, which is, to me, incredible. Did they fly it again? No, but still, they actually were able to, you know, test it without people on board, which was, 
you know, really, I think was really cool. I'm still shocked that they actually put Young and Crippen on board the first flight. I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have done it. I wouldn't have mind flying the second one, you know, maybe or the fifth one or something like, you know, the last one. I don't know, but not the first one. I'm just like, oh, my God, that that is so friggin risky. I would love to have been walking around the astronaut office or the or the building where the astronauts hang out and train in that era and to see. Crippin and Young walking around. I wonder if the other astronauts, as they walk past, were like nudging each other, going, "Those two are crazy. What the hell yeah. are they thinking?" Or, or were they all jealous because that was the nature of astronauts? Like, I'd love to have known what other astronauts actually thought about those two at that time. That's a really great question. I've never thought about that, and I, I wish I, I should ask somebody. If I had been around back then, I would have been like, "I'm not doing. No, you guys are nuts. Like, you can't. No." If we get the chance to interview another another one of any astronaut that was around the astronaut office at that time, that's a question we have to ask. Were they jealous or did they just think these guys are nuts and we don't want this job? Yeah. <laughs> we don't want this. We're, we're glad that they're doing it because we don't want to do it. Yeah, the first mission, uh, if you read uh, the post-flight report, there were some things that happened that were a little concerning. Yeah. I had a backup for that. Oh, go on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I had a backup for that. Also, the fact that I think that a lot of people and I'm talking about the general public. I'm not talking about, yeah. you know, space enthusiasts who know this stuff. But I think, you know, a lot of people don't know that we actually sent an electric car to the moon three times. I know, you know? right? <laughs> not the same car, but just, you know, uh, we sent an electric car to the moon and people drove around on the moon. And the Soviets had cars on the moon as well. I don't think people... uh Think about that a lot. That's something that I'm like, man, we did that in the early 70s. Like, we were advanced enough that we were able to do that. And we know how primitive things were back then as far as electronics are concerned. But we still managed to do that. Yeah. Blows my mind. So, yeah, that was another one was that we had a moon car and we sent it up several times. Like, I see the footage. and I'm like, that doesn't even it's obviously real. I don't want to give any fuel to the the uh, conspiracy people, but. It just looks crazy to me. Like, man, we sent cars to the moon. Yeah. I actually read a really good book about that recently called Across the Airless Wilds by L. Swift. Have you read that one? I need to get it. I actually saw it this weekend and I was like, I got to order that. I haven't read it yet, but I need to. Yeah, it's really good. It's it's a, he he goes deep into how it happened, where it started, where the idea started, how much work was going on before uh, NASA decided to even do it, and all that kind of stuff. It's really quite interesting. There's there was a few different groups that were all coming up with different ideas. Really fascinating. Do you know what that leads on to? My answer. Okay, tell me yours because I'm I'm done with mine. Twelve people walked on the moon. I I don't think that many people know that. Yeah, that's not a lot of people. No, but if you just walk outside your house right now and ask someone how many people have walked on the moon, I reckon maybe 0.5% of the global population knows that answer. Yeah. And, and bearing in mind how big of a deal that is to have gone that far and we see the moon. Like the other night was a glorious full moon, uh, one of those super moons. It was amazing. So everyone's looking at it and how people don't know that 12 people have walked on it. I know people will probably, most people probably know that someone has walked on it, but to know that there was only 12 and we haven't been there in however long, so many people don't know that. 
Yeah, every time I look at the moon, and it, it, for me, it's different because, like, obviously, I've met some of the people who've walked on it and who've orbited it and stuff like that. Yeah, I always think about them, and I always, you know, I always think about God. That'll be so cool when we can look at it someday and know that okay, we've been back, you know, or there's people up there now, you know. I can't wait for that. But I always think of Apollo, but I think that most people obviously don't think about that or they don't know that many people walked on the moon or they think more people went you know like and for all mankind's universe i think everybody's walked on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly right <laughs> the reason i know that not many people know this is because i used to be a quiz master at quiz nights it used to be some something i used oh, to do okay. right yeah and, and i would always try and get a space question in and a, a good question is one that some people know but not many you want about half the people in the room to, to get it. And every time I put that one in, not that many people got it right. So I was always like, that's obviously too hard of a question. And it blow my mind that that wasn't well known. I mean, I get that people don't know the names. It was 50 years ago. I get that people don't know the names of all 12 people who did it. Yeah. But you should at least know, oh, yeah, there was there was six landings on the moon that had humans on. I don't think that's too much to ask our schooling system to part onto uh, citizens of this planet I mean, you're right. In, in 10, 15 years, the number might be so high that we don't remember anymore. But that first phase of landing on the moon should be held in high regard. Yeah. When I was going to college, I, I took Earth Sciences. There was like a unit on, you know, the moon, right? Yeah. <laughs> the moon. And, you know, a lot of the questions were like, what are the phases of the moon? It, it was pretty easy stuff. You know, it was it was definitely it wasn't like a graduate course. It was more like a course for people who were going into careers where they needed to know a little bit about that stuff. So, you know, I took the class, you know, and I think the part that everybody had trouble with the most about that unit was the Apollo part, because there were questions about, okay, what, you know, space program sent humans to the moon from 69 to 72. And it asked a few questions about questions about the missions. And of course I got them right, you know, cause I'm a space fanatic, but yeah, it was like people were like, can you tutor me in this? Because I have no idea. And I'm like, and it freaked me out because I'm like, some of these people were alive during that time. So I'm like, you didn't watch that? And they didn't. That just kind of struck me. So, yeah, absolutely. I don't think people think about that, you know, on a on a regular basis. Like, hey, we actually put people up there. Yeah. Uh, and my, I also had a backup. I, I actually wrote a few things down. I wonder... We probably should ask moderators, um, you, maybe you've got an insight this on Space Hipsters, the, the most things that are posted about that people, even people who are into space, seem to post a lot about going, oh my God, did you know this? I wonder what the post is. And I, I know that Buran, which we've already mentioned, was a thing. And I was, yes. also, I was also thinking that right now, the, the one I get sent all the time, oh, did you know this, is about Jack Black's mum. Yeah, yeah, Judith Love Cohen, who who was a spaceflight engineer who helped design uh, the one of the navigation systems on the Apollo program, so helped out with Apollo thirteen getting back home and so and so, and that comes up a hell of a lot. But I wonder if there's any other things that jump out of you as a moderator of a big space group that people always post about. I think Margaret Hamilton, the fact that you know it was a woman who help do all the computer programming for the Apollo missions and stuff like that. I think that definitely jumps out to me because you wouldn't think in the late 60s that would have happened. Yeah. You know, that a woman would have been allowed to have the capability to do that. And she was there and she did it. And she continues to be, she's still alive. 
and she continues to, you know, be a pioneer. She's done a lot more than just, you know, the Apollo moon landings. And uh, I think another thing that I've seen a few times and I'm just it's just kind of sticking out of my mind because I'm thinking of Margaret Hamilton is the fact that they use rope memory. It was literally like, you know, ropes. Yeah. When you think of computer memory, you think of something kind of sophisticated like, oh, yeah, it's just in the computer. Right. You don't think that they actually had to wire it into the system like i had no idea like i heard the term but i i for some reason i thought it meant something else i didn't know what it literally meant yeah we had to make it into these ropes crazy i had no idea like it got the job done you know i mean as as primitive as that seems now that it it did what it was supposed to absolutely um and then i've got a couple of simple factoids which i think are fun astronauts from 44 countries have flown to space which i think is pretty cool wow i didn't know that yeah, over 600 astronauts now. Well, I'm hoping that 44 is up to date. That's the last time I checked, it was 44. It may, may have changed now because there's been some Blue Origin flights and maybe some other countries. But anyway, the German V2 rocket was actually the first man-made item to go into space. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Obviously, everyone talks about Sputnik in terms of the first satellite, the thing to orbit space. But the V2 rocket, it first could reach space. It, it got to 85 kilometers, which isn't quite space, in 1942. But in 1944, one reached 176 kilometers, which is way up. Fair enough. It counts. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely counts. counts. That is nuts. Yeah. The first space tourist was in 2001, Dennis Tito, who spent $20 million going to the space station on a Soyuz, which is pretty cool. $20 million, That seems like, that seems so cheap now. I know. That's, I was just that. is not that. a cheap amount. That's not cheap. I, like, I will never have $20 million in my life. Yeah, to spend but, on a week holiday. <laughs> yeah, right. I think the price has gone up substantially since then to go to space, though. If you want to go to the ISS, it's probably like 70 or 80 million now. But wow, 20 million. That seems so cheap. Yeah. Which is sad. I know. I know. But good good <laughs> on him. He's still around as well. He's still around. I think he's 84 or something like that now. So that's good, oh, good wow. on him. And the, my actual backup, which was nearly going to be my main is the fact that the Americans had a space plane in the 60s. Yeah, we did. The the, the X-15. X-15. And I I think hardly anyone knows about it. Yeah, the X-15. Yeah, that's yeah. really true. Oh, my God. I didn't think of that. We did have a space plane, yeah. It had uh, 13 flights over 50 miles, which is what the US recognizes going to space, and two over the Kármán line, which is a few miles further up. One of the ones in the, over the Kármán line was 1963. So we're talking like, just as the Mercury program was also happening, you know, 50 years ago, it wasn't that long after they were going into space on on a plane. In fact, July 17, 1962, was one of the 50 miles, 59.6 miles Flight 62 by Robert White, which is crazy. It didn't orbit, only, but only a few months after Glenn gone into orbit. So that America had only had three astronauts in space at that point. But it still counts, I think, as... I still think the X-15 pilots should count as astronauts if they yeah. went to space. Especially when you think of those first two space flights, US space flights, were just suborbital flights in a rocket anyway, right? So what's the difference? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people aren't aware that there were astronauts to kind of touch on that or kind of branch from that, I should say. Most people have no idea about this, but there was an astronaut who was an astronaut before he was an astronaut. Yeah. Joe Engel. <laughs> yeah. 
If that Neil, even makes sense. Yeah, and Neil Armstrong. Well, Neil Armstrong didn't reach space, but he flew the yeah. plane. But Engel did. You're right. Yeah, Engel, Engel did reach yeah, space. He got he got 50 miles up uh, in in 1965. He then flew on the second or third space shuttle. Wait, one of second. the first four. It was second, yeah, wasn't it? He flew yeah, the second one, and he flew a partially manual reentry because of his expertise, because he'd flown the X-15. So they trusted him to fly a. I think he flew a partially manual reentry and he put the shuttle through a series of like maneuvers when they were reentering to see how the shuttle would handle it, which is <laughs> freaking nuts. Like, <laughs> that's mental, isn't it? The first shuttle missions were insane to me because they did so many things that I'm like, this is just crazy. Like, what? Like, science fiction for all mankind, bad Bobby stuff, like stuff yeah. that should not work, but they <laughs> did it. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, stuff that ostensibly, <laughs> stuff that ostensibly should never work. Like, yeah, this is never going to happen. And they did it. And the STS-2 reentry is one of those things where they, yeah, we're just going to have him put the shuttle through some maneuvers. Like he was flying a fighter plane or something. Yeah. You know, just, yeah, but it's a space shuttle. Yeah, and you've got no engine. And <laughs> Yeah, and there's no engine. Gl- you're gliding down from 17,000 mile an hour. <laughs> yeah. You have no go around capability. Like you can't just be like, "Oh man, I screwed up. I gotta go know. again." Yeah, yeah. Like with a regular plane that has fuel on it, where you, if you have enough fuel left, you could go around and come back. Yeah. So you can't do that. You got one try, and they made and they let him do it. That's insane. This is why, to me, Joe Engel is one of the baddest people alive. I think he's gonna be ninety soon, and he is just. I've met him a couple times, and he's a, he's a very nice guy. Very humble, I think. Both times I met him, I was like, uh. I turned into like a two-year-old because he's one of the baddest people alive, like other than like Fred Hayes, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. because I was just about to say that. He was also, he was the guy doing the other set of landing tests on the Enterprise on before the shuttle launched, right? That we, we covered with Fredo back, back when we interviewed him. Yeah, which to me, I think Enterprise, the Enterprise flights, there were five of them were incredibly risky. Because if something had happened during those, like, there would have been no shuttle program. They would have canceled that. They would have been like, it's too dangerous. We got to cancel this. You know, and those guys did it. And they had an enormous amount of pressure on them. Like, I think um, I was talking to Fred Hayes once, as one does. (laughs) I'm sorry. Everybody's, like, rolling their eyes like, God, I hate this woman. (laughs) I Actually, I was talking to Fredo, and I said something. Because I love it. I love the approach and landing test. And I feel like that part of space history just doesn't get enough attention. And, we, and we've and we covered it on an earlier episode. We interviewed Fred Hayes. I, I don't think he was stressed about it because, you know, you can't really think about the stress if you're going through something stressful. You just got to kind of push through it. But I think he definitely had an awareness that there's a lot of pressure on us to do this right. Can you imagine like, yeah, if we screw this up, there's going to be no program. Because it wasn't like they had another program being planned at that time, was it? No, there was nothing else. All the old stuff had been mothballed, and this is what we've got. This is they put all their eggs into that basket. Yeah, they did. Which is again goes back to your original point as well about that STS one mission as well being so crazy. The, The the fact that they even attempted to do that and the pressure on Young and Crippen to deliver and make sure that thing worked. If that had gone wrong, it would have been one and done. There's no way they launch another one if those two don't come back alive, I don't think. Yeah, I was reading the book Deke by Deke Slayton, and we we recently had a podcast about him, which was amazing. 
I was rereading that book, and I think part of the reason why he left NASA around that time was he didn't like the fact that everything sort of just revolved solely around the space shuttle, mm-hmm. you know, because that's all they had. They didn't have any other, like, program. Like, at least now, we have Artemis, right? But there's also, you know, the commercial crew program. You know, you've got the, all the different spacecraft that are going to the ISS. You know, we got a lot of commercial programs as well that are non-NASA. There's a lot going on in spaceflight now. And back then, NASA was the only show in town in the United States. You know, as it, it changed shortly after. But as far as, like, putting people on missions... NASA was it. It amazes me how they just really put all their eggs in one basket. And we're like, Absolutely. the shuttle has to work. Anyway, I think that's been a fun conversation. And, and I'd love to hear from our listeners, if any of you have got a, a space fact, which you think that no one knows about in the general population, that annoy, it kind of annoys you. Because I get bugged about the, the fact that no one knows about the 12 people walking on the moon. It annoys me. Then let us know what, what grinds your gears in, in the sense of... Uh, Spaceflight facts, which you think people should know. Spacecraft must go for an orbit. This thing is just performing, just outstanding. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you've enjoyed it, please consider hitting that share button. We appreciate it a lot. Yep, the best form of marketing is a personal recommendation. So thanks to all who continue to do that for us. We'll be back next week with all the latest from the world of space. But don't forget, in space, no one can hear you stream. Space and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.